Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. I love the people we got up here. We're going to talk about uh, the next five questions that we weren't able to address over the past five weeks. We're going to try. We don't have a lot of time, but I think today we're going to talk about topics that usually are not discussed in church or if they're talked about. It's in passing important questions that some of you submitted probably in this uh, service. And you had questions about different topics that we probably never talk about. We want to talk about today. We thought it'd be cool to do it in a panel form and hear from different voices. So I want you to take out your notebooks. I want you to take out your pens. I think today we're going to give a lot of information that's going to help a lot of people. And we're going to begin first by introducing yourselves. Let's start from the other end on this way. Why don't you introduce yourself first? Let them know what you do here in the life of Calvary. Sure, I'm JP, and I'm uh, one of the pastors on team here. I oversee everything that has to do with discipling, uh, pastoral care, uh, welcome lounge, um, and a whole bunch of other things that as they come up during the day, we'll take care of, like everybody else here. (laughs) Uh, My name is Stephanie. I have the privilege of assisting Alex and Diana, and I also serve on the city care team and Brace and things like that. Hi, my name is Nabil, and I'm on the creative team. Uh, I help oversee all of our creative teams here at our church, photography, graphics, video, all of that. So it's a big, big team, but... My name is Diana, and I lead the church with my husband, Alex, and I oversee uh, different ministries like City Care and Flourish. And just to add to what Alex mentioned earlier about about us getting uh, just a whole lot of questions... Uh, some of these questions we're going to try to answer today. Some of the questions um, we're going to just know some of the things that you're asking and we're going to be able to incorporate them in future series. But some of the questions uh, maybe we are not able to answer because a lot of the questions were very um, personal to, to you and your specific situation. So it's a little bit difficult to speak on very specific issues kind of one-sided but we encourage you guys when we mention connect groups when we mention if you're part of the dream team just yeah. bring up those questions yeah. to your leaders to the people around you those yeah. questions could be answered in a more conversational way um, maybe through counseling so we right. encourage you guys to do that yeah, absolutely and uh, again we received some amazing questions thank you for submitting all of your questions uh, we received amazing some people actually also questioned uh, what I said a couple of Sundays ago that uh, do animals go to heaven? And I said, dogs do, cats don't. And they actually were saying, is it true that cats don't go to heaven? And I just want to say, it's absolutely true. Anyways, um, so, so we received a lot of questions about relationships. <laughs> we received a lot of questions about relationships. I mean, it, there was a lot of questions yes. about yeah. dating, single yeah. people, married people, divorced people. Let me see, Eddie, let me any single people in the house, can you raise your hand? Single people. Raise it, come on, as high as you can. Hey, there's not that many singles at 11 a.m. I mean, you might meet your spouse at church, so. <laughs> single Just people look around the room, that's what you're working with. <laughs> Invite him to a lemonade in the courtyard afterwards. Where's Mo? Mo, I said single, not thirsty. Put both hands down. Uh, Mo's very 
today. He's very tropical today. To summer at Calvary. He's taking summer at Calvary serious. <laughs> Way too serious. But I, I think it's important to talk about relationships. And in our church, usually we do a relationship series in February and sometimes in September. And so uh, we've talked and discussed a lot about relationships. Yeah, right. I think it's extremely important. But one of the main questions that people were asking is if they can date somebody that does not have the same beliefs as them, as a believer, yeah. right? I would put it, can I date someone who doesn't have my same beliefs, right? We received a lot of questions. Well, I like this guy. He's cute. He doesn't believe in Jesus, but his name is Jesus. And so, oh my God. You know, let's begin Pastor JP. <laughs> Pastor JP, let's begin with you. Pastor JP, you've done a lot of counseling for many, many years. Yeah. And uh, you've, you've counseled a lot of couples, singles, married, yeah. and whatnot. He actually has his own practice. He's a life coach, and he has Right yes. Path Life Coaching. Yeah. And you, Thank you, you see a lot of people. You help a lot of people in their yeah. daily walk when it comes to counseling and relationships. Well, how would you answer this type of question? The first thing that I would, do, that I would say is this. Um, you know, we got to remember what Paul says. Paul says, everything is permissible, right? But not everything is beneficial. Right. Right. All right, so we got to stop looking at the Bible as a, a can-do book. I mean, I, I can't do anything. No, no. The Bible is there to protect us right. and to make sure that we have a healthy relationship, healthy lifestyle, and all that. So it's having said that, uh, this is what I'm going to say. Uh, you dating someone or you becoming involved in a relationship with someone that does, does not have your same beliefs, especially when it comes to your relationship with Jesus or, or, or anything that has to do with your spiritual growth, uh, eventually is going to come into conflict. And why do I say that? Because the person that is not a believer, let's say that your person you're thinking about dating is not a believer, sooner or later is going to come into conflict. Their belief system is not going to be the same as yours. You're going to believe some things. For example, you're going to stay pure until you get married. You're not going to have sex out of marriage and stuff like that. And your partner that does not believe what you believe, and that goes along by what the world says, which just says that it's not illegal, it's not whatever, then pressures are going to come. And actually, Paul addresses that in 2 Corinthians uh, 6.14. You're going to see it come up on the screen. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And that might sound like a, like a pretty, uh, oh, that's, that's tough. That's a tough statement. But it's not really something to protect you and to protect me and to protect us that have th this belief system where we think that, hey, Jesus is our Lord, our Savior. We're going to yeah. follow him. We, we are going to abide by what the, his word says. And if we tend to get involved with someone that is not on our same level or same path is going to create conflict. And, and I'm just here to say that it's not only uh, romantic relationships, but it also can do with relationship with friends, yeah. and even business relationships. Yeah. Okay, so and, and I'm going to address that for, for a second. Okay. A business relationship, what, 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 JP, what do you mean? Well, for example, uh, if, if you're thinking about going into business with someone that does not believe the same things that you believe, it may cause conflict. Why? Because that person might think, okay, you know what? Hey, we need to get more clients. So how do we get more clients? Well, we, we can cut corners here or there but, but, like but yeah but <laughs> you know for under the table we gotta go and, and, and now you're like okay this is my partner now I'm in a, in a business relationship with this person what do I do well you have to remember that you, you, your first and foremost thing is you gotta serve Jesus and Jesus yeah. is, your, is the one that you go after I so. think it's really important because I, I really believe that your decisions today are gonna affect your tomorrow right. Right. Yeah. so you can make some decisions today and say well I'm gonna, I'm gonna date this person or this is the person I'm going to marry 
And we may not have the same beliefs. Doesn't mean we don't love them. We're all the same. Like mm -hmm. everybody's welcome in this place. We all know that. But if you're gonna make a decision to live with somebody, and this is your gonna be your lifelong partner, and you have two different, complete, different value systems, yeah. it, it's gonna bring us some issues in the right. way you raise your kids. Yes. Some decisions that involve money. Some decisions yes. that involve certain things in your life. Right. And I think that's extremely, extremely. Yeah, important. and I think so many times there's wonderful people in this world that might not share our beliefs. Right? That doesn't mean that they're bad people. But sometimes when we like someone, we might begin to make uh, exceptions and excuses yeah. for so them. You know? But they're yeah. great at this, and they're great yeah. human beings, and they're so sweet, and they're so kind, and they're so smart. But we need to think future-wise. We need yeah. to think about the fact that, yeah, it might work out right in the moment, but what are we going to do in the future when uh, life might look a right. different way? Yeah, exactly. So uh, as human beings, we tend to do that. We tend to excuse a little bit of the things that we want to, you know, kind of go, like, you know, slide by and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, and even that word in that verse, which is yoked, it's talking about being linked to something. So you are linked to someone, um, and it says that you're going in the same direction. So if you both have different belief systems, and actually one of the questions that we did receive was more along the lines of, if I'm already married uh, and I accepted Jesus, what do I do with my spouse if my spouse is an unbeliever or doesn't have the same belief system? You know, I think so many times we, um, some of us, our, our thought is, oh, we just get a divorce. And I don't think that that's necessarily the answer. I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to be praying. We need to be praying for our spouses, whether it's our husband or our wife. We need to be making sure that we're putting them before God and saying, God, you speak to them. You help them see. You help them clear their eyes to be able to really encounter who you are. Um, and then second thing, you know, I think, I think we're going to, we might be the only Bible they ever see. You know, I think it's in our attitude. It's in the way that we talk to them. It's in the way that we, um, you know, I think of um, Abigail in uh, Genesis, uh, um, yeah, in Genesis, in 1 Samuel 25, where basically she, um, she had to speak to the king. And David technically was not the king yet, but she spoke to the king in him. She saw in him the potential of being a king. And I think so many times if we would speak to our spouses, our husbands, our wives, who are unbelievers in that way, we would see a total difference really uh, of how they feel towards our beliefs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great, great answer. And, and, I, and I think one of the things that you, uh, going along the same lines of praying, never stop praying, right? Never, never stop praying. Remember, God is a, is a God that listens to prayer and answers prayers. One of the things that in my, in my counseling experience and, and working with couples that find themselves in this situation or in relationships that find themselves in this situation, one of the things that I have seen that does not work uh, is uh, for the believing partner to start preaching or trying to beat the Bible into, into the unbelieving <laughs> yeah. partner. Leave and, them Bible verses. Yeah, you know, like... It's like putting little little Bible verses in the lunchbox or, or you know, like, the, like the, okay, <laughs> leaving them in the side of the mirror where they shave or something like that. Oh, hey, you're going to... When they're have, sleeping, yeah, you see, Yeah, right, right. So, that, so, that, might not, that might not go over too well. That doesn't work. I mean, we are called, we are called to exemplify the love of Jesus. We are, we are called to, to show our partners the love of Jesus, right? Uh, like Nabil said, it's like they are going to... That we might be the only Bible they ever read. And we can preach better by our actions than by anything that we can say or do. So it's just being the example, being the example of Jesus in someone's life, in your partner's life. And I would say it doesn't mean you can't serve Jesus because your spouse is a non-believer. In fact, I would add this because I've seen this in churches growing up. Um, let God remain number one in your life, yes. but the church doesn't come before your relationship. 
So God is first in your life, but don't put the church before your husband so or before your so wife. Because yeah. then what happens is the spouse ends up mad at the church. I'm not yeah. going to the church right. because you're always at the That's church. So well, yeah. God can be number one in your life apart from a Sunday service or apart from right. a Wednesday night or apart from a Thursday night thing. You can still love God, love Jesus. Right. You can still, you don't have to be involved in everything. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, you'll be more of a witness at home. And sometimes we tend to go through the comparison factor where we see men of God or women of God who are alongside of us on the journey and we think to our husbands, well, you don't do that and you don't do this and you don't do that. And so that creates within them resentment and those kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. Do not compare with any relationships you see, whether it's in church or in the workplace or anything. Well, you don't do what uh, this person does in my workplace or what this couple does at church. We all have struggles. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get an amen? amen. Every couple has struggles. Uh, not us. Thank God. Number two. <laughs> But relationship, we could talk about relationships for a long time, but, uh, but we got to move on because of time. The second question, a lot of people were asking about money, about finances. So we kind of summed it up is, what does God think about money? What does God think about money? A lot of people were asking. I, I think people sometimes have the thought that because we talk about generosity or the Bible talks about tithing uh, or giving, you think, well, I can't have money or I can't have possessions. And sometimes is we can revert back to what we used to call a poverty mentality, right? It's like, well, I, I shouldn't have anything. I, I shouldn't have nice shoes. I shouldn't have nice clothes. I shouldn't uh, aspire to have more life. That is not the case. God does not want you poor. That's not what we're talking about, right? It's not the poverty mentality. The question is not if you can have possessions. I would say, do the possessions have you? That's the question, oh, right? It's not about having money. It's not, well, should, well, am I allowed to have a lot of money? Well, does a lot of money have your soul? Does it have your heart? And all of a sudden, it can create a spirit of like greed. It creates a spirit of envy and of jealousy where all we want is money. And these are my possessions. I got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. And, and this is all we want, right? And, and our, our aspirations and our first desires should be God himself. And God is the giver of the blessings. And while we talk about tithing, while we talk about generosity, is because it breaks the spirit of greed. As you practice tithing and as you practice generosity, you realize, wait a minute, money doesn't have a hold on me. God has blessed me with money, but I'm going to make sure that out of everything he's given me, I give him back a tenth or more and say, God, thank you for blessing me. Thank you for giving me everything. In fact, we give not out of requirement. We give out of response. Can I get an amen? amen. This is why we give. Yeah, and when we think of uh, money in a church setting, when we think about tithing, when we think about our generosity, I, I believe that, you know, when we read the Bible, we realize how uh, the Bible talks a lot about money. Yeah. It talk, I think more than we sometimes imagine or think or have realized. But to be able to see that from the beginning of times, uh, this generosity from people was what allowed the word of God right. to continue to move forward. Right. I mean, if you read your Bible, you realize that um, from the beginning, it took people's... Uh, generosity it took people sacrifice in order to be able to spread the gospel yes. across the whole world yeah. right yeah. and in Luke chapter 10 we we see Jesus actually sending out his disciples to preach and he's telling them hey accept the generosity of the people that you encounter because this is the only way that you're going to find shelter this yeah. is the only way, way that you're going to be able to eat yeah. in that same uh, chapter we see uh, different women who out of their own uh, means you know they would work they would fund the ministry of Jesus yeah. because they understood that it was through that that the people could then go and 
and travel and preach the gospel. And this is what we do as people, as a church. Yes, we're being uh, just honoring God. We're being obedient. But we understand that we're playing a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. This isn't like I was saying earlier around our giving. uh, So much about the amount, but more about the heart. You know, what we believe that our generosity can actually do. And I believe when I look at this place that this is what a generosity can do. A generosity can fund ministries in our own uh, city, can fund ministries ac- across the, the world that our, that our uh, generosity can help us help yeah. people in yeah. need yeah. in our own backyard, that our generosity can That's help great. pave the way for people. I think back from um, when, I, when I first got saved and I walked into a church, somebody was generous enough for the church to be able to purchase the chairs that I sat on, you know, and the speakers that I would hear the worship on and the instruments, you know, that led me into worship. And that's what we're doing. We're we're being generous because we want to keep this home open and the global church, you know, with its doors open for people, but because we want our children to be able to walk into a place where they can find Jesus, where they can find hope. And this is why we are generous. Yeah, I think a lot of people also sometimes uh, confuse it with, well, fine, if it's not poverty, then is it prosperity? You know, do we give because God will give to us? And I remember what the psalmist says. The psalmist says, don't give me poverty and don't give me prosperity, God. I don't want to be so poor that I'm mad at you. And I don't want to be so rich that I forget you, right? And so a lot of us, there's nothing wrong with God gives us stuff as long as you remember who is the giver of gifts, right? And and the truth is that we give out of a blessing, not for a blessing, right? I don't know if you guys have some thoughts on that. For sure. I I think that is all about common sense and understanding the investment that you're making, right? Uh, It's almost like when somebody comes and proposes to you a business, deal right you try to figure out okay what is the imbe- what is going to be my return uh, and, and when I when I see how this house has been a, uh, God has been a blessing through this house in my family it, to me it's common sense to invest in this house why because I, since I've been investing in this house I've seen my children come to know the Lord in this house I see my sons find wives in this house I see my grandson not growing up to, in a safe environment where he can meet Jesus I've seen how my wife and I have grown stronger so to me it's just like okay the return Oh, my investment has been much greater than my investment. So to, to me, it makes sense to continue it for the later generations so that I understand that not only my grandson, but his children can Absolutely. keep coming if we're still around and Jesus hasn't come back, you know? Absolutely. Come on, I want to show you this verse. First Timothy, we can put it up really quick. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. A lot of times people grab it and say, see, God is against money. We'll read it correctly. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Right, and so, so the, that, that's where it goes. It's like, where's your heart? Is your heart on, I love money and this is all I want and I'll do everything. It says some have done incredible things just to get money. I mean, they've gone to crazy extents just to get money because of their love for money. There's nothing wrong with you having money. In fact, God has blessed some people to be a blessing to others. The Bible talks in the book of Romans about some that have the gift of generosity and the gift of giving. And, and maybe well, that's what we call in this house kingdom builders yes. people who are just blessed and there's people in this house that have several businesses and they are blessed and they've been a blessing to this ministry other ministries around the world because God has blessed them and money doesn't have a hold on their hearts in fact there's brochures on all the seats and they say kingdom builders on it and maybe today if you say hey you know what I want to be a kingdom builder in this house and you've been blessed I want you to fill that out and you say in this house I'm going to be a kingdom builder every October we have heart for the house and kingdom builders lead the way and they say hey you know what we're going to be the first to give every october last october we picked up over two hundred and six thousand dollars. come on that has gone to bless this home this city and this world 
And uh, I'm excited with what God is doing. Yeah, and I'm reminded just real quickly about that verse that says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, yeah. you know, where they can be destroyed, where rob robbers can come in and just take it away, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And I believe that this is what we do when we, when we uh, gather ourselves together in generosity. Yeah. You know, I believe that uh, so many people might strive their whole lives to have a certain amount of money in their bank bank accounts, but then the day of tomorrow we 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 die, and when we're gone, what's left? Right. Is it just a number in our bank account? But I think that uh, I want to store up treasures in heaven. Yeah. I want to be able to uh, leave a legacy behind. I don't want to just die and uh, everything that I could have done die with me. But I want to be able to die and leave a legacy right. behind and say, hey, because of my generosity, because of what I did, I paved the way for more people to know right. Jesus. Because of what I did, people's lives were changed. Because of my generosity and my sacrifice, actually people's lives were changed and they were able to find and see Jesus. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I love that we're talking about different topics today uh, because I think some topics uh, are not talked about the way that we're talking about them today. Right. And hearing just different perspectives. Yeah. This next one, I think sometimes has been taboo or not talked about mm -hmm. in church for years, but I think it's especially healthy to talk about it, um, especially in a recent months when we have seen even celebrities taking their lives. We received a lot of questions about this. Uh, I would sum it up under how do I deal with depression? I want us to talk about mental health. Yeah. I want us to talk about depression. I want us to talk about um, moments where you're discouraged in life, moments where you feel like there is no hope. I think churches, sometimes we can give the, the, the appearance as if everything's okay and none of us go through discouragement, uh, but that I think is completely false and I want us to make sure we talk about it. Mental health is completely important. Yeah. Stephanie, you're, you're going to school. You're basically yeah. a, a psychologist already and she's uh, going to become a doctor, y'all. Come on, it's amazing. And uh, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your your experience and your thoughts? Yeah, so I think that, you know, there is such a stigma that's attached to things like depression, yeah. things like anxiety disorders, things like, things like bipolar disorder. There's so much stigma that's attached to those kinds of things. It's almost like if our faith in Jesus it makes us immune to suffering. Right. And that's, that can't be further right. from the truth. Yeah. You know, right. a Christian can be clinically diagnosed with depression, that's with that's anxiety that's disorders, that's and right. things like that. And it's almost like sometimes we want to confine this as this doesn't happen inside of the church or this yeah, doesn't... You're not supposed to. Exactly. Right. Almost like if it's a, a spiritual issue and it's not, you know, a mental illness right. issue. You just have to pray more, you know, but the or reality you're depressed, is... depressed, just read your Bible. Exactly. Okay. You know, but the reality is that we can still have have faith and yeah. we can struggle right. Right. you know we can still have anxiety and still trust That's God so we can be overwhelmed with a crazy amount of sadness and still experience the presence of God right. you know so I think that as a church and and as Christians, sometimes we really don't know how to approach mental yeah. illness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we want to throw Bible verses like in Philippians 4, 6, where it says, don't be anxious about anything. Yeah. Don't worry about your life. And then that person that's struggling feels like, I can't help but to feel this way. Right. You know, it, it almost makes us feel as if we're being disobedient to God, right. you know? And the reality is that there is encouragement. I love... Um, it says in Psalms 46, 1 through 3, it says, God is our refuge and strength yeah. and ever-present oh, help in so trouble. Yeah. You know, that tells me that in the midst of depression, God is present. Right. In the midst of a panic attack, God is present. Yeah. In the midst of a manic episode, oh. God can still be present. Yeah, that's great. You know, so I think that 
you know, as Christians, we just have to be very aware that this is real. I think that we need to start getting real with ourselves. None of us are immune to it. Pastors aren't immune to it. Leaders aren't immune to it. We can all struggle. Yeah, I love that you said that. I think, uh, actually, if you read the Bible and you go through the book of Psalms, you see that the psalmist dealt with depression. There's times where David was a mess. And it's like, I'm glad David was a mess because now as I read it, I feel like, okay, I'm not alone sometimes when I feel like a mess. And there's nothing wrong with seeing doctors. There's nothing wrong with seeing therapists and counselors. And me and Diana have gone to counseling and therapists to help us deal with issues of the soul and of the mind. And that does not mean you are less of a Christian. That does not mean you are wrong. It's called life. And we all struggle with life. I, I think that us as a church... The first thing that the church, and when I say church, I mean all of us need to, to, to get over is that myth. That, that because it's been perpetuated by, by some churches that you say, okay, if you're really saved or if you're really a Christian or if you really have faith, then you can't get depressed or, or you can't get anxious. And, and we got to get over that because we see examples in the Bible. I mean, Elijah, one of God's greatest yeah, prophets, yeah, this guy was totally, totally depressed at times to the point that he wanted to commit suicide. He, yeah. he would tell God, strike me dead. I don't want to live anymore. This is, yeah. this, this, this is bad. So, so we have to get over that fact. And, and, and we have to also understand that God can use medicine to heal us from certain imbalances that might happen in our lives we can't just say okay because i'm a christian because i'm not supposed to feel this way or 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 i need to pray more i'm not praying more i'm not i don't have enough faith god hasn't healed me no it's it's almost like i i I like uh when i talk to people in counseling that are struggling with this issue i always tell them look if you go to the doctor right and, and if the doctor diagnoses you with high blood pressure and he prescribes a medicine for you Will you take it? Oh, of course you'll take it because you want to deal with that issue. But it's the same thing with with any mental issues that you might have. If a doctor diagnoses you or a counselor suggests and and you're working with someone, then then it's okay for you to understand and say, okay, you know what? The same way that God can heal me instantly, God can use science and medicine and doctors and counselors to help me and and to heal me. What we need to get away from is like trying to shut it out and not talk about it because that's what the devil wants us to do. The devil wants us to feel isolated and not talk about things like this. And I think that one of the things that we want to do with this question you know just bringing this up is for all of us to be able to feel free to talk about these things for us to be able to feel and understand that if I'm feeling some kind of way that if there's something happening in my life that I don't have to hide it that there is help that it's okay to seek for help that when you approach someone one of your brothers and sisters here at church that they're not going to look at us with a different face kind of weird like there's something wrong with us but life happens to all of us alike. Yeah. And just talking about how sometimes we want to fit mental illness as a separate category, separate from anything else that anyone can be facing in life, separate than any other illness that we could be facing. Yeah. So this is a safe place. And we want to encourage uh, all of us here in this place to be able to talk about it and seek help when we need to. Yeah, I think a lot of us, the church is really good at talking about spiritual health. Yeah. Uh, but I think we need to talk more about mental health. Yeah. I think God wants us healthy so in our mind, body, and our soul. Yeah. And I think all of us deal with some type of yeah. Yeah, mental health, yes. every single yeah. person. Uh, Steph, as you mentioned earlier, you said it earlier about the brain being an organ. If you could talk yeah. about that. Yeah, so with what um, Pastor JP was saying, you know, the brain is an organ, just like we have a heart, just like we have livers, a liver, a kidney, you know, it's an organ. So a lot of times we would take medication for heart failure, we would take medication for something else going on in our body. And not what's going on in our brain. Right. You know, something's a mental That's illness true. is an invisible sickness. Yeah. And so sometimes we want to say, no, you can't take medication. No, you can't go, you know, see a doctor for that because it's not, you know, you, it's not a physical thing. 
You know, and I, and I would challenge that. Actually, anxiety produces physiological symptoms yeah, within people, and they think that they're having a heart attack, but it's really a panic attack. Yeah. You know, so medication is very helpful, you know, if it's um, recommended by a doctor. And I also wanted to mention, you know, something that I absolutely love about the pastors of our house and about this church is that we provide resources. You know, if you're in this place and you're struggling with something, you can come on a Monday night to CR, on, and you can find a place where you belong, where you're not going to feel, you know, left behind, where you're going to come alongside people that are struggling with you. You know, we can, you know, go, go up to a leader, go up to one of the pastors if you're really struggling. I think the biggest lie that the enemy tells us is that um, no one will understand right, us right. and that nobody will know what we're going through, you know, and that's just used to isolate you. But you have a you know, a family in this place that wants to walk this journey with you. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you mentioned that. CR is every Monday night, and uh, I would love, if you're going through any kind of that issue, you come on Monday nights. also want to say, if you're in here today and you're dealing with depression, I want you to know you can talk to anybody in this church that is a leader. We're here for you, and I think Christians, we need to do a better job, and not just waiting for people to ask us, but us getting in people's lives and asking them how they're doing, not just waiting for people. And if you're in here today and you're dealing with suicide, I want you to tell you that the devil is a liar. Come on. You matter. Your life yeah. matters. That is not the answer. And uh, we're going to get you help in Jesus' name. Let's go on to the next one because we're running out of time. A lot of people asked about this, and I would sum it up in this question. Can women be in church leadership? Can, can women be in church leadership? People are asking, well, I'm a woman. Can I be in leadership of the church? Uh, I've heard that I can, because I'm a woman, I can't be in church leadership. And people use different verses for that. And I'll just speak on that for a moment. A lot of times people use this verse, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, where Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man she must be quiet <laughs> and so we use that verse and we say okay women cannot speak don't even say hi to your neighbor when we say hi to your neighbor don't and, and again how many know that any verse taken out of context we can use for whatever we want we got to be careful when we're reading the bible not to take just one line and not put it to what it what it truly meant remember every single verse uh it, it was tied into a cultural setting to a time setting when paul wrote this to timothy he was getting reports back from churches about false leaders and problems <laughs> happening in the church a lot of people were coming into the church invading church causing problems at this day and age when paul wrote this there were actually some women that were non-believers they were not christian and they were coming in they were actually worshiping the goddess diana <laughs> and um this is a false god that they used to worship and so these these ladies that didn't believe in jesus used to come into the church and they used to disrupt service they used to cause altercations. In fact, the word authority, either do not teach or assume authority. The word authority in the original translation where Paul writes this is where we get the word aggression from. Some is domineering. So they used to come and be aggressive in service, domineering in service. They used to want to dominate the service. So Paul says, like, hey, I don't permit that. There's an order to how we do church. All throughout the other epistles that Paul wrote or letters that Paul wrote, you never see him really address that again as far as women cannot speak. In fact, in Romans 
chapter 16, he gives shout outs to all the ladies that were deacons and prophetess and helped them in ministry. So I'm all for uh, women uh, in leadership. Yeah, and I love that when we read the Bible, we see clearly how God has always given women a place. Yeah. I mean, when we look at the Old Testament and we see someone like Deborah, who was a prophet, she was a judge. She actually uh, exercised political and religious authority over the right. people of Israel. We realize that God used a woman to be able to speak his word, to be able to communicate so through her. Good, yeah. In the New Testament, we see Jesus giving women opportunity. We see someone uh, like Phoebe who was a deacon at the church. You know, we think of Lydia who funded the ministry of yeah. Jesus. And actually, uh, at her house was where that church in that specific yeah. location was started. Yeah. So we see how Jesus has given women their place. Uh, all along, you know, scripture, we see that. I love that, for example, when we think about the times where women were treated as second-class citizens, that they were not even allowed to be able to sit down and, and be taught, you know, the law. That women could actually sit at the feet of Jesus yeah, and amazing. hear him teach and learn. You know, I love that yeah. Jesus chose women to witness the greatest miracle in history, oh, to, win, to, to witness yeah. history. That in the moment when women went up and, and, and realized that Jesus wasn't in the tomb, that it was women the ones that went out to tell oh, everyone else. And at a moment where what, the word of women was not really taken you know, seriously, where their, their testimony uh, didn't matter, that Jesus chose women to go and tell everyone about this greatest yeah. miracle. That we look and when we read out the Bible, we see that Jesus approaches a Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. That he wasn't supposed to be speaking to a woman and even less a Samaritan woman. But yet he tells her about the living water. And we see this first woman, to me, this woman that went and preached to a whole community so that they could be saved. Yeah. So we see Jesus giving women a place and, and just reiterating the fact that there is a gifting in our lives and that there is a place for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. If you're a woman here and you think, well, I can't, because if you, if you feel second class type of, uh, because of society or because of church, I want to tell you that is a lie. Yeah. You are equal before God's yeah. eyes and you do have a place in church leadership. God does want to use you. You have gifts on the inside of you and we could go on forever talking about this topic but that was great diana okay number five the last one we'll wrap up with this we'll wrap up with this one. a lot of people asked about this uh, why do bad things happen to good people we received a lot of questions about that and now finishing up uh today's panel i want to hear from some of you guys probably all of us uh, what are your thoughts on it well, I think that's a, that's a subject that we all struggle with at times, and there's been books written about it, why do bad things happen to good people. And the first thing we have to realize is to, actually two things. The first thing is uh, bad things happen to all people, yeah. not only to good people. Um, we have to understand that we live in a broken sin-filled world yeah, it's a fallen world yeah. it wasn't uh supposed to be like that from the beginning it was a perfect world where there was no sickness where there was no 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 pain or anything like that but then sin came into the world right. and it came, pain came into the world so that we have to understand that first the second thing is that we have to understand is that we as humans we tend to uh define goodness according to what we think is good i mean so yeah. so we have to say okay when we say why do bad things happen to good people in our eyes what's a good what's a good person because if we compare ourselves to to god and his holiness we're all sinners so so we're all bad in reality yeah. right so we have to really understand that hey uh things happen and, and sometimes and then you're going to hear uh, more of this from the rest of the panel but things happen out of consequences of things that we do yeah and not necessarily because god wants it we tend to blame god for everything bad that happens I in our lives i think that's the easy yeah, thing. Yeah, that's the, that's the easy way out. Or, or the, the, the natural thing is that when bad things happen, we say, well, God, you're the one causing this. Right. Yeah. Right. 
you're the one that's at fault for this happening in my life. I think a lot of us have done that in our own lives. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think there was a moment in my life where as a Christian, I think I had done everything right. I had grown up in church and been in youth group and done everything right and read the Bible and gone to mission trips and and we equate that to goodness. Yeah. Uh, and then the moment that something terrible happened in my life, the, the immediate question was, guy, why did yeah. you do this? Yeah. Um, and I think that we think, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Immediately we, we, we say God is harming us. God is choosing to strike me. God is choosing to hurt me. Um, and I remember so clearly uh, people in my church surrounding me and getting around me and saying, well, God is not trying to harm you. And they gave me this verse and it for, forever has been one of my verses, which is Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope in a future. And I remember, uh, even though I had read that verse so many times, really understanding that God, one, wasn't trying to harm me and whatever my circumstance or whatever my situation was, it wasn't meant to destroy me. Actually, it was meant to give me purpose. Actually, it was meant to give me a hope and a future. Um, and I love that verse about, you know, God is going to tie up all loose ends. Uh, it says that, um, you know, he's going to take every single thing, regardless of what it is that you have been through, regardless of what it is that you whatever pain it is that you think he's got, he's caused, it's not him. He, you mentioned it earlier. He allows it. Um, but God is going to work out all things for the good of those who love him. And I think that's the thing that we have to have in the forefront of our mind is that he's going to allow, he's going to allow it, but there's going to be all things that are going to be made that's good, right. you know? Yeah, he's not the one causing it, uh, but he does allow all things. Right. But the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 28 that all things work together right. for the good of those yeah, who love Yeah, and I think that in life we have the choice of perspective. You know, we do live in a fallen world, and some of the things that might have happened in our lives could have been because we caused them, but so many times we may think, you know, uh, the situations that I found myself in was because of what other people uh, have done in my life, because of other people's decisions, and the reality is that we can't control that, and yes, God allows some of the things because, you know, it's just the way that life is, but we can change our perspective. You know, I, I believe that personally, one of the things that has helped me in my life is to say, hey, I can allow these painful situations to break me. I can allow these painful situations in my life to dictate my future and completely keep me from the plans that God has for my life. Or I can allow these things to propel me into my future. And I think some of the deepest uh, pains and, and, and sorrow in our hearts and in our lives, some of the deepest moments of difficulty can actually bring out the best in us, yeah, can build so up good. our faith, our strength, our perseverance. You know, I, I can say that if it wouldn't have been for the difficult things that I faced in my life, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. Yeah. I believe that these things have allowed me and helped me to be able to empathize and sympathize with people in a different way. Yeah. That it has allowed me to be able to uh, love Jesus in such a different way. It's yeah. actually the reason why I came to Jesus, realizing that life isn't perfect, realizing that I do need a savior. Yeah. And I think that in this moment, what we need to do, if we feel that way, if we feel overwhelmed by the things that have happened in our lives, is to switch our perspective and say, God, you can actually turn everything yeah. Yeah. that the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for good. Yeah. There's actually someone out there that I can speak into their lives because I know what it feels like right. to be broken because I know what it feels like to be hopeless yeah. but God is the one that brings hope to all of us yes. so I would say let's just change that perspective yeah and you know I think about the person asking why you know why does this have to happen to me I think that all of us at some point in our lives ask ourselves that question yeah. God why did this happen to me or why is this happening to me you know and that can bring us to a place of isolation sometimes we can feel like we are alone in the midst of that you know, but I love that we have a God who is so near. I love that we have a cross to look to, to see that the perfect one, Jesus, also endured suffering. That he was not immune from suffering either. 
you know, but I love the power of the resurrection and that we can also experience that, like Diana was saying, you know, that none of us are immune from circumstances that we go through in life. I mean, look at Jesus. But in the end, three days later, there is a resurrecting. In the end, three days later, we will experience that resurrecting power. That's great. That's great, Steph. Amazing. I think all of us have asked this question at one point or another in our life. And I think it's a fair question to ask. Uh, It's normal. I think people in in the Bible asked it. David was always like, God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you at? Jesus even asked it at the very end of his life, right? Uh, But realizing, I think the better question would be, uh, why does God allow good things to happen to all people? Because at the end of the day, all of us are sinners and all of us are far from God. I hope this helped you out today. Come on, can we give our panel a big, big hand? Come on, can we thank them? Thank you guys so much. Why don't you stand up on our feet all across this place? Before you head out, I want you to close your eyes and bow your head as we get up on our feet all across this place. I hope that today's panel helped you. I hope that it encouraged you. I hope that we answered some of the questions that probably haven't been answered before and it helped to open up your eyes to see Jesus a little bit better, help understand what God wants to do in your life a little bit better with every eye closed, with every head bowed. I know there's going to be some people up here moving tables and stuff, but I'm just going to ask the church if we could just close our eyes and bow our head really quick all across this place. Maybe you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, uh, I actually don't know God too much. I'm far from God. And there's been difficult moments in my life. And maybe you've had a million questions. Maybe you've had thoughts in your mind and the thoughts of where, how can God love somebody like me? In fact, that's why things have happened in my life, because God must be mad at me or angry at me. I'm going to tell you, God is not angry at you. God is not mad at you. God is madly in love with you. God has allowed things to happen for for a reason. But the bottom line is that God loves you more than you can imagine. In fact, I really believe that God brought you in here today just to remind you that he loves you. To remind you that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. I really believe it's not an accident. I really believe it's not by a random chance that you're hearing this today. It is because God brought you here and he made an appointment so that you would hear from him today. I'm going to ask the entire church with every eye closed, every head bowed all across this place. And we're going to have dream team praying and church praying. If you're in here today, I want to tell you God is for you. God loves you. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. Nobody's perfect. We've all messed up in one way or another. And the Bible says that sin separates us from God. God can't be with sin, but it also says that God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus. He was the only good one. He was the only perfect one. And yet he took all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our flaws, all of our mistakes. Jesus took it on him. Our sin was put on Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus, he went up on a cross. And there on that cross, he died for humanity. There on that cross, he took his last breath and he went down to a grave. And the Bible says that Jesus... He was dead for three days. And after three days, Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. We believe that Jesus, he's alive today. We believe that Jesus, he's the way to the Father. We believe that through Jesus, we are forgiven and we are saved. Today, I want to tell you that Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to give you a brand new start. He wants to give you a clean slate, give you a brand new beginning today. If you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus, I would love to pray for you. With every eye closed, every head bowed, come on, the entire church praying. If you're in additional seating, if you're watching on live stream or Facebook live, I want you to be included in this as well. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. If you're in here, you say, Alex, I, I got sin in my life. I've made mistakes. I've gone down the wrong path. If you're in this place and you're saying, Alex, I need a brand new beginning. I need forgiveness. I want a brand new start. 
Today I want a clean slate. I want a relationship with God. He's waiting for you with arms open wide. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. He loves you. God loves you. He's for you. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, with every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody looking around. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I want you to hold your hand up just for a few seconds. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to put you on the spot. It's just an act of faith that you're doing. God, I need you. Hold it up just for a second. I'll see you, and then you can put it right back down. Every eye closed, every head bowed. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this place. Can you hold it up just a little bit higher? A little bit higher. I want to see you. All over here to my right. I see you. 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 I see you in the middle. I see you. 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 God bless 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 you. Amazing. Anybody in additional seating or watching on live stream? Here to my right hand side. I see you. I see you. Amazing. Father, we thank you so much for all these hands that have been raised. Thank you for every single person making a decision to follow you. Jesus, we love you. We pray that you seal this moment with your Holy Spirit. We thank you, God. I'm going to say a simple prayer. All of you who raise your hand, I want you to say this prayer after me. Repeat it out loud. In fact, the whole church, we're going to repeat it out loud together as a family. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Come on, repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you Jesus I believe you're the son of God that you died for my sins and on the third day you rose again Jesus come into my life be my Lord and be my Savior from today on I am forgiven I am saved and I'm healed in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, Calvary. Can we give him a big, big hand? Come on, can we congratulate all these people? Amazing.